Grace, peace, and mercy is yours from the triune God. Amen. When our daughter Harper was born, we decorated the nursery in Noah's Ark theme. Images of Noah and his family and lots of animals entering a wooden ark two by two. And it's like common enough decoration theme for kids' rooms. And I mention it because this week at Bible study, we discussed how weird it is that the beheading of John the Baptist isn't a common decorating scheme for kids' rooms. Because this is just too gruesome a tale to show up on rolls of juvenile wallpaper. In case you missed the details, here's what happened. So Herod is the ruler of the region. And... uh, While he was vacationing, this part's not in the text, but uh, it's in the history. Uh, When he was vacationing in Rome, he kind of got the hots for his brother's wife. So he divorced the woman he was married to and marries her, Herodotus. And John the Baptist then suggests that maybe that's not okay. Now, Herod likes John as much as you can like a crazy bug-eating prophet who lives outdoors and speaks consistently inconvenient truths. Truths like, it's not okay to marry your brother's wife. (laughs) Which, incidentally, is the truth that when spoken, got him arrested to begin with. It also got him on the bad side of Herod's new illegal wife. She did not like John. Then, when Herod throws himself a big birthday party, his daughter-in-law, Salome, dances for him and all the other half-drunk generals and CEOs and celebrities who were there. We don't know the exact nature of her dance, but we do know that it pleased Herod enough that he offered to give her anything she wanted up to half his kingdom. So I bet it wasn't the chicken dance. (laughs) So Salome runs to her mom Herodotus and asks her, what should I ask for? Because like, I think she's a kid and doesn't know what she's doing. And her mom says, the head of John the Baptist. And Herod found this disturbing. He clearly didn't want to do it. But the text says that he went through with it. Why? Because he promised. (laughs) And because he didn't want to disappoint his dinner guests. It's like saying, you know, I'm not an oath breaker, so I might as well be a murderer. (laughs) So by the final course of Herod's birthday dinner, John the Baptist's head was also on a platter along with the cheese tray. So that's a gruesome tale. And I mean, like, at first glance, it's like one horrifying, weird thing after the other. So, like, what in the world is a girl to preach about on such a story? I mean, it's lousy as a morality tale. What's the moral of the story if your daughter dances at your birthday party and you're so enamored by it that you offer her whatever she wants? If she asks you to murder someone, don't do it just to impress your dinner guests? Okay, I got that one covered. But looked at a certain way, this story isn't really that far from us. I mean, in some way, it's still being played out today. Like, in my life, maybe in yours, certainly on the American political stage and elsewhere, throughout human history before and after Herod. See, it's easy to demonize Herod and dismiss this story as something weird, something that could only happen before things like the Enlightenment or War Crime Tribunal. But if we do so, I think we we too quickly might miss seeing how nothing really has changed that much in 2,000 years. 
We live in an age as faithless and corrupt as his own. People are still quickly divorcing other people when they fall in love with someone else's husband or wife. And I myself, like Herod, I've purposefully distanced myself from people who've spoken truths to me that I'm not ready to face. And young girls are still made to be sexual objects for powerful men. And I have done or said things that have hurt others just so that I don't lose face with people I'm trying to impress. So the details of the story are horrific, but they aren't as removed from us as we might think. I mean, what Herod did was despicable. I mean, there's no dismissing it. But maybe, besides being a villain, I started this week to wonder if maybe he's also kind of a tragic figure. Because the thing is, is he, he knew better. Herod wasn't some soulless, bloodthirsty, godless devil. He knew it was wrong. He knew it was wrong, and afterwards, he had a guilty conscience. Because later on, when he hears about Jesus, why else would Herod assume of all possibilities that the most logical explanation for why there was a man in his region who healed people and casted out demons was that it must be the guy he beheaded who came back to life? That's a guilty person's assumption, straight up. (laughs) He had a guilty conscience, which means... He knew better, and he did it anyway. And it was almost like he was stuck in a story of his own writing. What's tragic is if Herod went to his grave with all of his violence and stupidity and sin on his conscience, never knowing once that he and his illegal wife and her child Salome and John the Baptist are all children of a loving, forgiving God. That's tragic. What's tragic about Herod is how different he is from the prostitutes and demoniacs and tax collectors and Pharisees that we meet in the Gospels. They encounter Jesus Christ and are freed from the bondage of their past. In the presence of Christ, they are given a glimpse of God's bigger story of love and mercy and are shown who they really truly are in the eyes of God, and they're made new. The story of who they are is given a new ending and a new meaning by God. But Herod, Herod was trapped in his own story, and it feels to me like it's a story that tortured him and 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 one that he actually felt there was no escape from. So when our little stories, our little stories, begin to feel self-contained and inescapable, that's when things become tragic. Maybe on some level you feel that way, trapped, unable to change the story of who you are, unable to change your behavior or attitude or outlook so caught up in the events around you, so caught up in the identity you've had for so long that it clings to you like a skin suit. And if that's true, and if you were hoping for some good news today, as your preacher, I need to say that there is no good news in this story. I looked. (laughs) But maybe that actually might be the point. Maybe we're supposed to notice that this is the only story in Mark's gospel where Jesus doesn't make an appearance. There is no Jesus. 
So if this story of Herod and Salome and the beheading of John the Baptist stood alone, there would be only sedition and sin and violence and bondage and political maneuvering and incest. The only thing that makes this story good is that it is not the end of the story. One of the most gospely things that I've heard in a long time is from a movie that was just out, The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, in which a character says that they have a saying in India, that in the end, all will be well. And if all is not well, it is not yet the end. That is the gospeliest thing I've heard in a long time. So while there is no good news in this story, while there is no Jesus in this story, what's amazing is that the story of Herod's birthday is immediately followed in Mark's gospel by the feeding of the 5,000. They are right next to each other so that we won't miss the point. Because the godless black mass of Herod's party is immediately followed by another party, a Eucharistic one, in which there is no exploitation of children or killing of prophets. There is only Jesus and thousands of people sitting on the green grass and a few loaves and a couple fish, and they're all fed by what seems like not enough. And there were still baskets of loaves and fishes left over to share. They were living in the new story of God the one that was absent at Herod's party. A story written by a God who desires that all are fed and all are loved and none are exploited and desires it so much that God offers us a reminder of this every week right here at this table. This table is the antidote to whatever version of Herod's birthday party is playing out in your life or in the world around you. You are not trapped in your own story because God is still writing the story and it's so much better than the one we'd come up with and thanks be to God for that. Amen.